Hey, this is Bruce. I'm the pastor of the Word Church, Kimberley. I'm so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I trust that Jesus will speak to your heart, that you'll be strengthened with faith, and that you'll experience the breakthrough that you're looking for. Enjoy the message. Maybe just a quick recap. Last week, we had like Breakthrough Sunday, and I think, it's, I think we've got to do it more often. Uh, the Lord, the Lord uh, always, if you read Matthew, man, large crowds followed him everywhere. And he took time not only to teach them, but he took time to minister to them, took time to pray for them, took time to heal, heal them, took time to, um, yeah, just to restore and to, uh, you know, to bring them to a place of, of completion, sometimes to feed them. Amen. I'm Davi. I feel that spit bry just came back to me right now when I said, feed them. Except we feed them sheep. We don't feed my sheep. <laughs> we, we feed the sheep sheep. Amen. So, um, so last week we spoke about like breakthrough and how miracles are supposed to be evident in our lives. Amen. Miracles, wonders, signs. I like how some, some strip, script, scriptures call it suddenlies. A suddenly. Have you ever had like a suddenly moment? You're going one direction and then suddenly God intervenes. Like a quick, it changes, you know. What's the opposite of suddenly? Because sometimes it's, it's a not so suddenly. Sometimes it's, it's forever. <laughs> but God is with us. Amen. So, uh, yeah, last week we, we mentioned that, that scripture, that extremely controversial scripture to the flesh, to the mediocre, to the people that, that like, don't want to achieve anything in life in faith. In John 14, Jesus said, the works that I do shall your pastor do also. No, the works that I do, you shall do also. The one who believes in me, he will do it. So uh, I wonder if we, if we hear the one who believes in Jesus, but can you imagine the amount of belief he has in us to be able to say, you're going to do what I do? You know, we think, well, you know, we need to believe to do what he does, but he believes so much in us that he entrusted us with that ministry. Think about that. You know, I remember the movie, maybe you must go watch it, Count of Monte Cristo, very cool movie, but there's this one instance where he, he finds himself in prison, and he says, well, you know what, I don't believe in God, and the guy says, well, God believes in you, and I think, I think if we realize how much he believes in us, and I, I want to get into that today. So this, this week, a preacher who's, who's been you know, on, on the scenes of, uh, you might be watching, so um, who's been been amongst a lot of, lot of big name preachers, big stages, been in the um, sharing conferences with some of the, the biggest preachers um, in the world, came to see me this week, and uh, he, he asked me this question. He said, he said, Bruce, I've been all over America, the country. I've heard um, the messages uh, on TV that's been ministered in the country, the people that carry weight, the people that, that really have influence. He asked me, 
why aren't you more famous? And my answer to him was, probably because I really don't care about being famous. Probably because when Jesus called me, he didn't offer me fame. He said, follow me. You know, probably when I saw, saw him, I didn't want to be anything else but him. And uh, I wonder what's often, what's our motive, you know, with, the, with, with Jesus in our life? Is it so much that he, can, that he can do for us and that he can give us and that he can bring us? Um, but I just said, man, I, I just don't care. But anyway, he said, he said he appreciates that, but he says, we maybe need to start caring because he said, it's almost like when Adoniah started raining. And the question came, why does Adoniah reign? Why are the wicked ruling? Why are the wrong voices speaking? You know, and I really feel we need to gear up. I'm not gearing up for fame at all. I'm gearing up for, for glory. I'm gearing up for a move of, a move of the Holy Spirit and uh, all over the country. So yeah, that's why we do all of this stuff. You know, some people ask me, why, why do we have cameras? Well, I believe we're going to go all over the world. I believe we're going to touch the world. We're going to reach the world from Kimberley next to a synagogue. <laughs> I believe that. That's what we, well, that's what I'm contending for, running for. I believe that we, we have a message that carries weight, that can change, that can transform. Believe in miracles, signs and wonders, quick suddenlies. So I was just thinking about, about my, it got me thinking on my, our journey, you know, why, um, you know, why did we do what we do, and how did we get here? <laughs> how did we get here? Amen. So anyway, so we touched on at men's meeting on, on Friday. I said it's quite an interesting uh, thing to give your yes, because the moment I give yes, to anything, I say no to multiple other, other things. This morning for you to be here, you gave a yes. You said no to sleeping in late. You said no to pajamas the whole day. You said maybe you said no to, um, maybe you, you even said no to a bad habit and said yes to Jesus. I'm going to come, I'm going to get rid of this addiction. I'm going to get rid of rid of the, these bad cycles in my life, and maybe you've said no to that, but your yes, you came here. Amen? All right? And if you evaluate all the yes, it's hard to say. How do you, what is plural of yes? No. In South Africa, we can't. I can't. I can't say that. But if you think about if you think about all the, all, all the amount of times that you've said yes in your life, think about all the no's that you've actually um, that you've given to other things. And you know, and when someone calls you out for coffee in the week, a lot of guys with business have to say no to business, no to deals in order to to have you know that that meeting. And if we are more intentional about where we give yes and what we say no to, you know, and that's what I want to speak about, uh, speak about today. Amen. All right. So um, let's go to 
to Mark chapter 8. Oh, maybe. Let's do Mark 1. Let's go to Mark 1. And then we'll move to Mark 1. Ah, Mark 8. Okay, from verse 14. Let's read there. He says, Now after John was imprisoned, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. He said, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. As he went along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will turn you into fishers of people. They left their nets immediately. And followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in their boat, mending nets. Immediately, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in boat with the hired men and followed him. Come on, guys, just think about this. Anybody who's busy with a trade or kind of work, here comes this man and he says, Follow me. And you Leave it. I mean, imagine Jesus comes to you today and says, follow me, and you just walk out of your business. Walk out on everything that you've grown. Walk out on years and years of things that you've invested in. And that's what it meant. That term, follow me, in those days meant when a teacher or a rabbi comes to you and he says, follow me, the guys would, would drop everything and follow him. And it meant to follow him means you're going to spend 24 hours a day with me. You're going to go town to town. You're going to go everywhere where I minister. But these guys, while they're applying their trade, leave everything and just follow him. Imagine the, the, the Zebedee, the father, when, when the two brothers, who's it, um, James and John, drop their nets. But what's interesting is the father doesn't even like shout at them, say, hey, where are you going? Or he just says, okay, cheers, go. You know, that's weird. It's strange. It won't have somewhere in our time, it's unheard of that you would just abandon everything and go after this man who says, follow me. What's interesting about it is that if you understand the term, follow me, and this, is, this takes a little bit of study and a little bit of um, understanding of what that term meant. Jesus uh, is often referred to in the scriptures as rabbi. And rabbi was one of the most respected and honored positions that you can get in, in that time. Okay? They say something, something like be 200 years BC and 200 years of, uh, AD, uh, that whole rabbi thing was quite big. You know, scholars differ a little bit about the timing of it, but it's clear through our scripture that at that time that was happening. But these disciples say no to fishing, no to family, no to their business. They drop everything. They drop their trade, and they follow Jesus. And for the rest of their life, they follow him. We know Peter went back to it after Jesus 
died and he went back to his trade. And Jesus had to call him again. But think about it. You know, think about it. So let me just give you some, some uh, or maybe I'll, I'll go back, we'll go back to it. Let's go to, so let's quickly read Mark 8, verse 34. Jesus called the crowd. Now, listen, the, the crowds followed Jesus everywhere. If you read uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, you see, yeah, what an incredible ministry Jesus had. He would walk town to town, but thousands of people would follow him. Thousands of people would follow him. He tried to withdraw a little bit, and they would follow him. He tried to go. They were everywhere. Imagine, imagine what a hype there was around that man. Thousands everywhere, going foot by foot, following him everywhere. But verse 34, he says, Then Jesus called the crowd along with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and because of the gospel will save it. For what benefit is it for a person to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his life? What can a person give in exchange for his life? Now, this is really interesting. I call it the paradox of the kingdom. You know, everything is almost in reverse psychology. If you, in, in, you know, Jesus... The kingdom instructs us to sow and you will reap. Even in, in finances, they say, hey, you sow, you reap. In natural, we understand, no, we save. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with saving, but we gather, we gather. In the kingdom, we give, we give. You know what's the crazy thing is I see even in our church, in the people here, the people that volunteer. I mean, if I look at the stage, uh, you've got a bunch of the guys here on the stage, the, they're not just people that don't have anything to do. They, they've got careers, they've got jobs, uh, but it seems like the same people, I don't know how many of you guys saw the movie Proposal. Who saw the proposal? Can, can you remember? Can I refresh your memory a little bit? There was that one guy who was the, uh, the, the wedding ceremony guy. He was the, he was the shop owner. He was literally at every, every event. Come on, do you remember? The same guy, he would appear everywhere. It's a lot like these people on the stage or behind the, behind the desk. They're the same people that's greeting you at the door. If there's a function, they're the same people everywhere. I mean, if I have a function now, if I just say, guys, tomorrow we're going to meet Monday night at 9 o'clock, the same people will be here. And it's not like these guys don't have time, but the paradox of the kingdom is that somehow... The, the, the more time you give, the more time you have. It's like, where do you find the time to do all of this? Come on. So, uh, and I found it very interesting that you can see that. How do these people who have so little time manage to give so much? And Jesus says here, the one, the one who, uh, let's read it. Verse 35, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. 
Interesting. Interesting. Martin Luther, one of my favorite quotes, he said, I've held so much in my hands and I've lost everything. But everything that I've given to God, I somehow still possess. Everything that, I've, that I have, everything that I've owned, everything, man, everything that I've saved up to buy, I lose. But everything that I give, that I've given to God, I somehow keep. And that's the paradox of the kingdom, is that whatever I give, I get. Whatever I keep, I lose. You know, and I think in fear, in the way we live our lives, sometimes we live in fear and we just want to keep, we want to keep, we want to keep. But God has called us to give. God has called us to give. Amen? All right, so I'll just share maybe a little bit of a story. And I hope that you can, you can uh, relate to mine, uh, to mine, my journey. But uh, uh, Anya and I have been married for 15 years. Hallelujah. This year, we were just little babies when we got married. We were 21. And uh, I remember when, when we got married, uh, like we had nothing, you know. Like, but at that age, you don't get alles. You get alles. But we knew nothing, you know. So thank God that I married her. While I was an idiot. <laughs> but if I could do it again, I would do it the same way. Amen? Because um, we grew up together, you know? She, she raised me well. I mean, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, hey? But we, we, we met each other in Bible school. But in, in 2005... 2005, I don't know how you guys follow music, but there was like the height of the band scene. And we used to have like this rock band, and it was, was big. So the dream was to tour the world, rock and roll. We had a, we had a, a old uh, uh, event. Well, we actually got it on a later stage, but we had one of those old Volkswagen um, combis. Can you remember, Eric? Man, and it only had the one shock on, remember. That was the greatest thing. So if you, if you press stop on the brake, the, the combi would go down. And if you released it, it would look like a, like a hydraulic uh, proper thing that was installed. So yeah, we used to have fun. If you had Eric on the right side of the vehicle, <laughs> that, was, that was what you wanted. But anyway, but just before I met Anya, I remember I, I had the calling. I experienced God calling me. And all of you, everybody sitting in this place, you know that, that he's calling you, that he's calling you, he's calling you, he's calling you. He says, man, I've got plans for you. I've got, I've got dreams for you. There's something that I want, per, I want a perfect outcome for you. And, uh, and I always knew I would end up going to Bible school. But, uh, but the rock band was on fire. Man, it was lacking. And we were touring. And at those, in those days, there was bands like Finkelsteins and... I can't remember what the other one was, uh, Spoon Feeders or something like that. And we managed to hook up with these guys and do some, some gigs and stuff. And then I remember finishing, finishing high school, finishing matric, and uh, the, the crossroad came. You know, Bruce, are you going to follow the calling of God in your life? Or is the rock band going to... You know, is the band going to make it? <laughs> or are you going to follow the calling of God in your life? And at that time, I also, I mean, Anya and I weren't dating. I was dating a, a, a other girl. And I remember we, my dad once gave, dad is here. 
Um, he came and he spoke to me, the one in January. He said, Bruce, are you sure you don't want to go to Bible school anymore? And just that question, just kind of like, oh, goodness, I need to go back. And I remember I went into my room and I said, Lord, if you want me to go, speak to me. And I took the Bible like this. Everybody has done it in this room, especially when you're desperate. We call it Bible roulette. And you just open and you speak. And it landed on Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, Bruce, I know the thoughts and plans of you, I have for you. Plans to prosper you. And when God says that he has plans for you, it implies that you don't know what you're doing. And so I remember on that day, I said, okay, yes to Jesus. And I, it broke my heart. I can't tell you how much the yes broke my heart. Walking away from things that you love, walking away from, from things that you've actually got built into, you know, but walking away from it and accepting the call of God on your life. On day one of Bible school, I broke my nose. You couldn't believe it. We were playing rugby and this guy comes flying one side, this big uh, Afrikaans guy comes flying and his head hits my nose. You can still see the impact. If you look nice at my nose, it's bent. Uh, no. As a result, I'm going somewhere. Now, I know it sounds like I'm just speaking nonsense. Um, and not long after that, I broke, both of, I broke my wrist. Couldn't play guitar. Not long after that, the girl broke up with me. Aww. Aww. But it was just like everything that I, that I found security in, everything that was like what, I, what, what defined me was now gone. And it kept on like, Lord, I'm going to go back to what I know. And God just keeps on calling me away from what I know. And, and giving your yes to Jesus often costs you a lot. Giving a yes to Jesus costs you a lot. Now, let's go to Mark 8. Did we read it? No, yeah, we did. So, if we go to Mark 8, he says, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Verse 35. But whoever loses his life will save it. Verse 36. For what benefit is it for a person to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his life. Your, your Bible might say, yet lose his soul. I kind of like what he's saying here, but you know, what is your no costing you? What is your no costing you? How many times have you heard the voice of God in your personal life and you said no? I mean, trust me, I've said no a few times, though I gave yes, and it costs. It costs. What I keep costs me. What I give, I save. What I keep costs me. What I give, I save. Amen? Okay, one more scripture in Mark 10. In Mark 10, verse 17, he says, Now as Jesus was starting out on his way, someone ran up to him, fell on his knees, and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. 
No one is good except God alone. He's not saying that he isn't good. He was trying to ask him the question like, are you calling me God? You know the commandments, verse 19. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't defraud. Honor your father and your mother. The man said to him, teacher, I have wholeheartedly obeyed all these laws since my youth. I went to Sunday school. I've paid my tithes. I haven't skipped a service in years. I was at all the events, everything that he said. Jesus looked at him, verse 21. He felt love for him. And he, he said, you lack one thing. Go sell whatever you have. And give money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the same, the same words that he gave to all his disciples, to the ones that you know, Peter, James, John, all of them, the most famous of them, he gave the same invitation to that young man. And it actually says, Jesus had, look at that scripture, it says he felt love for him. He said, you lack one thing. Go sell everything you have and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Um, maybe, maybe let's read on and then I'll, I'll give my point. But, this, but at this statement, the man looked sad and went away sorrowful for he was very rich. Then the disciple looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I just want to say that there is a difference. He's not saying that the rich can't enter heaven. He's not saying that. He's not saying that you can't, that you can't go to heaven if you're rich. That's not what it means. We know we've done some teaching on the kingdom of God. Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's talking about, um, it's, let's read the next one, then you'll catch it. The disciples were astonished at this. And they, but again, Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to inherit the kingdom of God. And there's been some teaching on this, um, saying that the I don't know which side of the fence I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on here because they say that the eye of the needle was a small door next to the main gate in Jerusalem. That's uh, a lot of the teaching that's going by. And then the rest of us, we know what the eye of a needle is. It's that small thing that you put a, a piece of cotton through. And nothing can go through an eye of a needle, let alone a camel. Come on. Okay. But I think actually that might be one of the points that God is making, uh, that Jesus is making. Carry on. They were even more astonished. They said, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, this is impossible for mere humans, but not for God. All things are possible for God. You see, it's not about, T.D. Jake said it well, God doesn't care about you having nice things. He cares about nice things having you. You know, God really wants you to have nice things, and I'll show you in a minute. He just doesn't want nice things to have you. And, um, um, and so it's just, the point is there's people who trust in riches, and then there's people who trust in God. 
At the end of the day, there's, there's, there's people, you know, I don't like it, I've said it before, but there's, there's people, there's examples that we look up to as successful people. Have, have a look at your own, maybe your own Facebook feed or look at your books, your bookshelf of the people that are teaching you how to, how to make money. Look at them. Maybe, maybe if you go and look into their lives, you might find some really haha things, some really ugly things, and that we, we pull information from to become wealthy and to become, but you must see some real men and women of God who flow in, in, in that grace, and you must learn from people like that, you know, because not everybody takes the right way to wealth. A lot of it is, is corrupt. Amen. Can I just have an amen on that? Amen. And, but Peter says, look, we've left everything to follow you. Let's just think of that again. Go back. I've left everything. I've left everything to follow you. I've left it all to follow you. We know Peter was married. I don't know how many, how many of you guys watched Chosen the chosen series, they tried to give a, an example of the kind of pressure that, that following Jesus at that time might have put on his, on his own marriage. We know that they had, he had a, a, a good fishing business. He left it to follow him. But let's read on. Let's get to the encouraging part. Is this okay, everybody? These, are, these kind of sermons just come and just work on your heart. Verse 29, I tell you the truth. There is no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children for the sake of the gospel who will not receive in this age, say in what age? In this age, a hundred times as much. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, or you could say land, all with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. You see, the invitation, if everybody, if we come and if we advertise the gospel this way, it's like, okay, I'm going to give you a million dollars if you follow me. Who will follow Jesus? Everybody. I'm going to give you $10 billion if you follow me. I'm going to triple everything that you own if you follow me. And everyone will be like, yes, we follow you. So Jesus never advertised it this way. He said, come on, I want you to see the real treasure. The real treasure is following him. <laughs> this is so good. The real treasure is following him. It might cost you more than what you think. But in the end, you're going to get much more. In the end, you get much more than what you've ever had that he wants to give to you in this age. Amen? Oh, come on. Amen? So I was, uh, we, while this guy was talking to me, I'm going back to our journey, Anya and I, how we, we became pastors here. You know, in 2015, we again left everything because God said, 
God said, it's time to go. And where we were, we knew we had to go. And we always felt like there was unfinished business in Kimberley. In the time, we used to have tents, and we had a youth ministry, and we had a lot to do with a lot of the people here as well. And when we left, we felt like there was unfinished business. But we got so many signs that we had to come back to Kimberley. I think we came back with maybe like 3,000 rand in our account. And we moved in with my parents for how long? Dad, it was the longest nine months of your life, hey? And uh, we left everything. We gave our yes to, to be here. We gave our yes to come here. We gave our yes to Jesus to, to pastor this church. We said, yes, Lord, we will go. We will go. Two years into it, I think we, we first two years, it, first year was great. You know, some, some of you guys hung, hung around to see us. Can Bruce and Anya do this thing? Can we stick with these guys? Thank you. Thank you, Umben, Tony Alta. Yes, Jelis Eister. Thanks for sticking it out with me. And I remember in Langebon, we were sitting on a vacation one day. And we were sitting and... Uh, one of Anya's friends' fathers, they grew up together. He just came to, came to me. He was probably sitting having a glass of wine, and I was just trying to recover. And uh, he said to me, Bruce, man, if you had to move to, to Cape or somewhere, would you start a church again? And in that state of mind, I said, no, I don't think I will. I don't think I'll start a church again. And I didn't think that there was anything wrong with that question. I don't think that there was anything wrong with that answer. But uh, later, you know, I don't know how many of you guys get a, get a hiding from the wife every now and then. But that night the wife pulled me in. She said, hey, listen, yeah, I need to talk to you about something. I heard what you said. And you said, you said you don't know if you'll start a church again. Something like you've left the back door open. And... Uh, and said, this is, not, this is not a good idea. This is not something to keep you busy for a while. This is not an option. And I realized that I had not given a full yes when I said yes. You know, and this is, this is hectic. And I, and I realized in order to truly be faithful to, to the calling and what God wants, obviously to you guys, to the people that I get the privilege to, to, to serve, I need to give an absolute 100% yes. And there's many, I think there's, there's a lot of, yeah, I'll just finish the story. That same night, um, Jesus' image was on the TV, and the guy was saying, um, they were singing the song that blessed me so much. They started singing, all my eggs are in one basket. All my hope is in you. It's not good financial sense because what's that Buffett guy says? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. But when it comes to the kingdom, God expects you to put all your eggs in one basket. Put all your hope in him. And when you've given your yes and he says, come away with me because I've got plans for you. And you've given him your yes. He mentions it's going to come with persecutions. It's going to come with hard times. Everybody will give their yes if it means getting a million dollars. But most often, it's going to cost you. 
is going to cost you. But what you gain is incorruptible. What you gain is eternal. What the reward that's, that, that comes with a yes for Jesus, is it worth it? Every now and then I revisit it, but it is absolutely worth it. Giving your yes to God is absolutely worth it, you know? And we see people, Anya and I understand, I mean, there's people, like I mentioned, and Ben, you guys have been pillars for us, and so many, Mike, Marina, you guys have been here for years, Dad, Mom, been with us in our personal lives, they've given their yes, but everybody else, you know, kind of comes on and can, can leave if they want to. But there's a reason why we're called together as a family. There's a reason why you came here. And we need to know um, what, is the, what is the purpose in our gathering. Come on. What is your purpose being here today? You know, maybe God is sitting here and He's saying, hey man, there's something I want you to do. There's something more. And we sit on the fence. We have not given a complete, a complete yes. Amen? Hallelujah. I think it is a, a very, very, very good word. So now, let me just finish my story. So, the rabbi, in, in the Jewish culture, in that time, if you could become a rabbi, you were like the ultimate of ultimate. Okay? So these guys would study for years. They would finish more or less around 15 or 14 years of age, according to, if I, uh, according to what, I've, what I've looked up. And then a rabbi would come to that school and choose the best of the best to be their follower, their disciple. And the goal of that disciple was to learn from that rabbi and that they would be and be able to do everything that he does. So can you imagine if that rabbi comes and he sees the best of the best? Yeah, man. But the, the thing is, and, and how they would invite you is they would say, follow me. Follow me. And those students would then follow this rabbi. Now, what's, what's quite amazing, um, I wrote it down over here. He said, um, yeah, the, as when people would follow, would, would follow them, there was a saying that said, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. And they would go and they would follow the rabbi. And the, and the idea was that they would walk close to him or that they would sit at his feet as he taught. And that they would walk so close to him that the same dust that covered the rabbi, or as he walked, you would be covered with. You know, that's why, it's interesting, Jesus said, if they don't receive you, they don't receive me, shake the dust off of you as a testimony against them, saying that you have not just rejected me, you've rejected my teacher, you've rejected my master. And, uh, and, but to the ones that they rejected, they would say, go home, go have children, maybe they'll become a rabbi. Go home and go, go, to your, go to your business. And, and so when Jesus finds these young guys fishing, that means they didn't make the cut. <laughs> they didn't make the cut to be a, a follower or a rabbi. They, did, they couldn't make it. But Jesus comes to that, those people in their trade 
at Jesus, this teacher, this rabbi, one who John looked up to, comes to these young men and he says, follow me. Meaning they didn't make the cut in the school, but according to Jesus, they made the cut. Wow, that's awesome. And so because it was the most honorable position that they could be, they dropped their nets and they followed him. You know what? Jesus comes to you today and he says, follow me. And looking at all of you guys, none of you would have made the cut by other one. But according to Jesus, you make the cut. And I said, like I said in the beginning, he believes in you. He believes in you and you can follow him. Amen? You can follow him. Uh, what's, what's also quite interesting is that the rabbi's teaching was called a yoke. The rabbi's teaching was a yoke. So the, when you would come to, G, to the rabbi, you would take his yoke. And so that's why Jesus said, come to me and I will give you my yoke, which is easy and is light. The religious thing is hard. You're sitting here, you think, oh, nobody can do it. No, you can do it. Jesus made it impossible to show you that with his strength, you can do it. Amen? Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And I just felt like in, in this time, I, I think there's many of you, equity can just come. I felt like in this time, I think a lot of things will happen in your personal life, number one, personal, in your career, in your, um, in your home, your plans, once you've made a decision. You know, I know there's that movie of Jim Carrey where he says yes to everything. I don't know how many of you guys saw that movie. Don't do that. Was it yes, man? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's dangerous. So it's important to be able to say no to certain things. Jesus said, what does it, what does it help? You gain the whole world, but you lose your, lose your soul. Let's come on to some of the dads. What is it you gain, have certain gains at the expense of your kids? Come on, dads. There's some decisions that we need to make that's not just for us, it's for our own kids. Um, some of us need to come out of stupid things, stupid habits, addictions. Just walk away from certain things. Um, and, and to give you ultimate yes. The moment, I believe, when we, um, when we made the decision together, Lord, we're giving our absolute yes for this ministry. You know, we're investing, we've given our lives for the call of God for this place. We've given our lives to serve this people. To be of absolute service to you, our, our yes to God was, was needed. And I'm also just thinking for your own personal life, don't you want to take some time and consider the yes that you need to give? Have you, are you still sitting on the fence? I'm serious. When I, when I look at just at the way we worship sometimes, you know, how, how much of our yes have we given to God? Just, just based on our worship. And I don't mean to be critical, but praise the Lord. 
Oh, my soul. It's like, I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm on holiday, or I'm at work, but I'm not here. And I think the kingdom and the call of God requires turning on everything and following Him, knowing that everything that I've turned on, He actually wants to give you. But everything you're holding on to, you're going to lose, people. Everything you're holding on to, your bank account, family, everything at the end of the day, you lose. And Jesus offers us a position in Christ where He gives you everything and more. Everything and more. Romans 8, I think it's in from somewhere in the 30s he says God who did not withhold his own son will he not much more with him with his son give you freely all other things all other things might cost you a nose break might cost you a broken wrist might cost you a girlfriend might cost you your band. But look at what God has done. If you trust Him, He's going to do so much more. No, we sang that song many times. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. Yeah. And I know it's tough. I know it's hard. But it's time to say goodbye to certain things. Amen. And it's a yes every day. Every day I'm married with Anya, I'm still saying yes. With the good, the bad. We stopped saying that, by the way. We stopped saying in, in, in health and in sickness. We stopped saying that at our, our wedding ceremonies because we don't want sickness. But sometimes it gets tough and your yes is needed. So give God your yes today. Amen. Give him your ultimate yes. Give him your ultimate yes. What, is, what does this church look like next year if we've all given our yes to the call of God? Yeah. Come on, think about it. What does this place look like? What do homes look like when we've given our yes? What does marriages look like when we've given our yes? What does families look like when we've given an ultimate yes? What does our business look like when we've given our yes to Jesus. Amen. 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 So let's quickly pray. Father, I just thank you right now. Right now, the scripture says that you stand at the door and you knock. And I know there's times, many times, where you come knocking, where you come knocking on our hearts. And you knock and you said, will you come or can I come in? Or will you come with me? And there's decisions that's been pending for a long, long time. I pray, Lord, that each person sitting in this place will know what it feels like to let go. To let go and to trust. To let go of what 
what's not supposed to be part of our life. It's like climbing a rope. If you want to go up, you need to detach, climb, detach, climb, detach, climb. Say no to something and yes to something else. Make it clear. Right now, just feel the Holy Spirit just on this word and just saying, come on, come with me. Trust me. Walk away. Um, Commit. Commit, commit, commit. 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 Jesus' name, amen. Well, I trust that message blessed you. Please feel free to contact us for any prayer requests or feedback. We would love to connect with you. You can follow the Word Church Kimberly on any social media platform and become a part of our online community. Be blessed. Be blessed.